Okay, so we are now trying trying an episode of Block Chat Live. This is the first one. Um, we're here for episode number seven of Block Chat Radio, uh, streaming live. Uh, so we brought in the communities from the Crypto Bazaar and uh, Bit Boys and Bit Girls (BBAG) uh, online as well, joining us for this live episode with uh, Saeed Hareb Al Damaki. This is a very interesting episode, actually. Uh, really looking forward to this. Going to be speaking about the proliferation of blockchain technologies in the UAE. And uh, yeah, so Saeed is the co-founder of the Alphabet Digital Currency Fund, one of the largest, most influential global crypto investment funds in the world, based over in Dubai. Um, I won't go too deep into the introduction. I'll let Saeed introduce himself more, more, more elaborately. And uh, Saeed, how was that for you? Yeah, that's great. Thanks for having me, Hassani. I, I've been looking forward to this uh, episode since we first spoke a couple of weeks ago. Um, maybe I'll just give a brief background on myself. So um, I've, I used to work for uh, Abu Dhabi Investment Authority, which is uh, one of the largest global sovereign wealth funds. So I have a traditional investment background. I was working there for nine years. Um, two years ago, um, the CEO of Alphabet Fund, Liam Robertson, uh, who's, uh, who's been an old friend of mine. I've known him for many years. He called me out, uh, he called me out of the blue on, uh, in January 2017. And he uh, broached the idea of uh, setting up a regulated crypto fund. At that, at that time, I had no idea what cryptocurrencies were. I probably only heard about Bitcoin. So I asked him if I could do some research on uh, Bitcoin and on cryptocurrencies and blockchain in general. Um, then when I looked into Bitcoin and um, looked into crypto, I, um, I soon realized it was a, it was a no brainer for me because, um, the basics of the foundations of it were the opposite of the monetary system, which as we know is, um, pretty flawed. And, um, that can be evident from the level of debt that a lot of, uh, sovereign countries have at the moment, including the United States of America. So it, it really appealed to me right from the beginning. So I decided, okay, uh, I called him back and I said, let's, let's go for it. Um, let's get it set up. Obviously, because it was a regulated um, fund and, you know, the regulator has strict requirements. So it took us around six, six months to, um, to get the fund operational. Um, during that six months, I, uh, I personally invested in, uh, in Bitcoin and I personally invested in uh, several blockchain startups. Um, at the time, Bitcoin was around $1,000, which was a great time to enter. Um, then the startups that I invested in, they listed. Uh, once they listed, I uh, started trading cryptocurrencies. Um, it took three months, about three months for those projects to list. And in that three months, I was daily um, doing daily research and um, getting as much knowledge as I can on cryptocurrencies and blockchain chain technology, especially with the help of the Alphabet founders and their, their network that they've, uh, they've had for many years. So um, after I started trading, then, um, then I also, then the fund got operational in June 2017. So I got busy uh, running the fund along with Liam and uh, uh, Andrew Iverson, the COO, and 
Mohammed Tanweer, the operations manager. Um, we got the team together and um, we started running the fund. Uh, the fund's been successful and uh, the return since inception to the end of December was around 235%. Um, we were lucky in that we started in June 2017 before January 2018. As you know, until now, the market's uh, been on a steady decline. But I think we're pretty much near the bottom here now. Um, then after I was, then I continued investing in many startups uh, as the fund was operational. And towards the end of 2017, um, a lot of project founders started approaching me to help them uh, to help them with their startups. So I was started advising a lot of startups as well, which was a great experience. Um, and then uh, in uh, 2018, I got involved with the Binary Financial, which is a large OTC brokerage, OTC desk. That was a great experience working with Harry A, the managing partner. Um, but I left uh, the beginning of this year to focus on uh, several projects that I was, uh, that I started working on for a year now. Um, and then I started getting involved with some OTC, brokering OTC deals in that uh, 2018. Um, and I, I obviously expanded my knowledge, expanded my network throughout that time. Um, and then now, now that I've got all this knowledge and all this experience, I really want to focus on developing um, awareness and developing knowledge here in the UAE because uh, it's still, still pretty new here. And um, there's not that much interest as with other countries like the US or Europe or Asia. Um, and it's, uh, it's still a developing country as well so embracing technology is something that the um, the government here has been very keen on um and you know the ruling family here since since the forefather forefather his highness uh, sheikh zayed bin sultan al-nahyan and the current ruler sheikh khalifa bin zayed al-nahyan and the ruler of dubai sheikh Mohammed al-maktoum they've all been very forward-thinking visionaries and they've always looked to manage the resources that we have here uh, as best as we can, which is one of the reasons why Abu Dhabi Investment Authority started in the first place to manage the uh, excess reserves from, uh, from the oil revenue so that it can be um, maintained for future generations. So I've always wanted to you know, help the country because it's given me so much and I want to give back to the country. So I, I want to be as, as involved as possible with uh, developing uh, you know, blockchain technology here locally and um, making sure as many local people here embrace the technology and as many local businesses here use the technology as well. The government's, um, the government's been very um, active in, uh, in uh, making sure that blockchain technology is used, so much so that the Dubai government has actually said on numerous occasions publicly that they want to have um, most, of the block, uh, most of the government services um, on blockchain by 2021. I think maybe they've moved that on an extra year from here, but um, that's always the plan. But I want to be as active as I can as much as, and help out the country as much as I can with, um, with gaining as much uh, cryptocurrency exposure and knowledge as possible. Well, yeah, that's really, really interesting. And just looking through your your LinkedIn here, you, you know, you obviously work, are working on a number of projects. You're working on Images, Connect SA, Crowdforce, Super, BT Protocol, 
the Acclid Project, Convoy, Fracture Labs, Clear Technologies, and B- BQT.io. And <laughs> it appears that you're a very, very busy guy. And I think being Absolutely. in the culture and the environment, it seems as though there's a real strong culture in Dubai and the UAE of innovation and growth. So that's really, really exciting. And I can see why you're playing such a key role in that. It seems very, very exciting. Absolutely. Um, could you speak a little bit about the projects you're working on? Could you, could you give me a little bit of the background of a couple of your key projects that you're supporting right now? So the most important project that I'm working on right now, and I've been working on it for more than a year now, is actually establishing a regulated cryptocurrency exchange in Abu Dhabi within the uh, Abu Dhabi global market jurisdiction. Um, we've, we're very advanced at the moment. Uh, we're, um, we're in the middle of raising capital for the, for the project. Um, we're just waiting on the regulator to issue the uh, cryptocurrency exchange license. So we're we're very much ready to go. We're very ready ready to launch whenever the regulator is happy with the with the the business and how we're going to run the business. And also once we've done extensive testing with the regulator, so that's that's a project that's very very close to me and um, that will actually be very good for for the economy and actually develop the ecosystem and infrastructure here, cryptocurrency wise. Mm. So that's that's one of the main projects I'm working on now. Um, there are, there is another project that I'm working on, another startup that we're going to set up in Dubai. I'm going to partner with, um, with an, with a very, very close friend of mine that I've known for a couple of years. He's been working with me at Alphabet and Binary Financial and, um, a couple of other projects, uh, Jason King, uh, we're setting up a, um, a, a company, a company that's going to help local businesses here, um, introduce blockchain technology to, to help them. Um, help their business become more efficient. So we're going to be advising local companies here on utilizing blockchain technology for their business. Obviously, not all businesses um, need blockchain technology, but we'll help help these companies identify if they actually do need blockchain technology to help to help uh, reduce their costs and increase uh, benefit, you know, increase benefits for them and increase efficiency. So that's another project that I'm I'm going to be starting uh, very soon as well. That sounds very very exciting. Um, yeah, that's really exciting indeed, and it's really interesting how you're able to really support with your understanding of blockchain and the space and the network and the people. You know, really being able to support the development of the UAE's blockchain future seems really really powerful. And yeah, I think in particular when it comes down to the you know storefront level, business level that's when we're really going to see blockchain take off. And what kind of challenges are you encountering right now in terms of making blockchain more well-known in the UAE? Because the people there, do they know, obviously you know a lot about it, but the people there have an awareness of blockchain and aware of the benefits? I think think the people here are more aware of cryptocurrencies in general and trading cryptocurrencies. I don't think their their knowledge um, is very deep into actual blockchain technology itself, um, because it's uh, it's very complicated um, to actually know the ins and outs of the technology itself. Um, so, but there is um, there is uh, one of uh, one of my friends. His name is Dr. Marwan Zarauni. He's the CEO of Dubai Blockchain Center. 
which is actually offering um, educational courses for uh, the local population to actually learn about blockchain technology and learn about cryptocurrencies and you know have a better understanding about it but i think the main challenge is raising of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies in the uae um, and just to shift that mentality of actually you know making it like instead of making it just like a short-term quick buck uh, play making it a long-term uh, sustained um, technology that you know that can actually benefit the economy as well not just personal people not just individuals it can benefit the government it can benefit businesses here as well it can benefit corporations so that's that's the main objective and that's that you know uh, you can you can see all the large banks and the large corporation corporations globally investing in blockchain technology and their own private blockchain technology solutions so this is very much uh, technology that's here to stay and the benefits are um, you know they've been well documented um, i think also another challenge is that the technology is still very much developing it's still i think it's still in the very early stages very early stages of development and there's still a lot of potential that's need that needs to be unlocked before all these local businesses and global businesses um, start embracing it fully um, and until wide adoption happens it, it needs to be very scalable and much more uh, developed as well to be able to do that mm, that's true and in the race if you will the race towards decentralization the race towards implementation of dlt blockchain for example where do you think the uae stands in in that race globally um is the uae is dubai for example ahead or behind of china or other nations in, in terms of using technology i think just like with the the general economy i think it's uh, the uae is very much well behind china and the usa and europe it's still very much a developing economy it's still a developing country we have to be pragmatic and realistic about that um, but uh, the rate at which we're going, I think it's it's uh, starting to accelerate here, and I expect it to grow exponentially. So we're we're far behind the rate at the moment as such. But I believe that, uh, especially with the government support and also what with the um, the offshore regulator in the ADGM and onshore regulator in uh, ESCA, which is uh, the Emirates Securities and Commodities Authority, they've announced that they will actually issue. Um, uh, issue a framework and regulation around cryptocurrencies and ICOs and STOs in the next few months. Once that comes out, I think that will encourage people and businesses to, you know, to actually say, okay, look, the government's actually legally approved this, so this must be something that we we actually need to look into. So that will help. Um, that will help accelerate um, awareness and also uh, motivate um, people, individuals and companies here to uh, to embrace the technology that's great that's really good because I, I think fundamentally it comes down to regulation and legal frameworks to, to actually facilitate the implementation of a new a new way of doing business essentially so yeah i think yes. when those are in place we will definitely see the growth of technology over there uh, in terms yeah. of blockchain and and its wider um, proliferation so and i think as well obviously you go to a lot of conferences because I always see you looking, um, you know, I always see you on, on, on LinkedIn, for example, um, at events and conferences, speaking to interesting people. 
And um, I wondered, who do you think are, are, are the key thought leaders right now, apart from yourself, um, who, who are really um, flying the flag for blockchain tech? I think um, if you're asking me about Emiratis, such as myself, I think yes. it's myself and Dr. Marwan Zarouni, who's actually been involved in blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies for several years now. Um, I think apart from us two, I, I can't think of any other Emirati that's as active or has been involved for as long a period of time. One of my friends, uh, Mohammed Mahfoud, he's, he's been involved in the last sort of year, year and a half. And he set up a company here to actually um, advise um, uh, blockchain startups that want to raise funds using STOs. Um, so he's another player, another Emirati that's um, doing some good work in the background to, um, to, uh, you know, to, um, to, get, to get more awareness here. But, um, you know, we have consensus here. Um, Smart Dubai uh, is uh, working with consensus and there's, um, you know, there's a lot of um, foreign um, people and companies getting involved here. So that's, that's very much there. But in terms of Emiratis, um, so that's the main aim of myself going to attend these conferences and speak at these conferences and events is to actually show the local population and the Emiratis here you know, you know, you can see an Emirati who's, who's talking about this and who's very much active in it and who's devoted his um, career to this now. Because I left Adia, I left Abu Dhabi Investment Authority um, end of June last year to focus on this. So if they see, if they see somebody, you know, actively working on it and believing in it, then that will motivate them to actually, you know, maybe think twice and, and maybe actually try to, to put some time into it as well and maybe a start of a business um, related to this as well. Mm, definitely. I think awareness always plays a huge, huge role um, in adoption. And I think that if there are people that are putting a lot of effort into raising awareness and showing the benefits and helping, you know, clear the path for the implementation of this, it definitely would be a benefit to the economy um, and to everyone else in, involved. And, you know, which companies have you seen I've been particularly active in the space, you know, from outside of the UAE um, that have been active in inside of the UAE. Have there been any foreign companies in particular that have taken a real stand and 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 and, and cleared the way or or, or positioned themselves as, as being active in this space? Um, I think in the UAE itself, apart from the government, um, there's been several banks that have used blockchain technology and are. Um, you know, pioneering and piloting um, studies on um, cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. For example, there's Emirates MBD. They're using blockchain technology for their um, internal uh, check uh, check clearing system, check monitoring system. They're using that actively at the moment. Um, there was Al Hilal Bank, which is um, piloting um, a Sukuk um, a Sukuk instrument uh, using blockchain uh, blockchain technology. Um, there are several. Uh, foreign uh, companies that have set up here to try and um, develop blockchain technolo technology here as well, amongst uh, one of them being uh, consensus, as I said before. Um, globally, outside of the UAE, there's, there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of you know, large banks. Um, there's a lot of large corporations like IBM and um, you know, large banks and corporations that are working on blockchain technology at the moment. Um, but within the UAE, you, you're slowly starting to see more... Um, more companies and banks and corporations here looking at it and, and actually embracing the technology. 
Mm, that's very interesting. And I think as well, just a slight change of gear. I just wanted to understand, you know, from a kind of an entrepreneurial point of view, what does it actually take to go about building a, a an investment fund in crypto? Because this is hasn't been done before. So how do you go about the starting up a cryptocurrency investment fund? What does it look like? Well, um, for myself and the partners here in the UAE, it was um, it was definitely um, it was definitely something new, and we didn't know what to expect. Um, there were many many challenges along the way, but um, we worked hard uh, night and day to find the solution and find a way to actually get set up. Um, we had a lot of help from uh, Delma Capital, which is um, actually our investment manager. Um, we're the investment advisor, and through Delma Capital, because Delma Capital is regulated by the Dubai Financial Services Authority, they make sure that we adhere to the strict requirements of the regulator here. So they helped us out a lot with, um, you know, with, the, with finding the um, fund administrator, with finding um, legal support, compliance support. Um, so that was that was a big help as well. But. Um, you know, we had to we had to find them. Um, they weren't um, at the time. They weren't even looking at crypto. So um, we had to approach them and see see if they were open to the idea. Um, the CEO Zachary Jafarti was um, very open minded, and um, he listened us out. He heard us out, and you know, he said, "Yeah, that sounds like a great idea. Mm. We'll support you." So um, so yeah, it took it took time to to get started. Um, we had to you know yeah. I, I had to go through uh, through my private network that I already had um, in the traditional investment space to to find um, to find the right people to connect with to help us um, get set up. But um, <clears throat> but right now, I mean, if anybody wanted to do it here, then it's much much easier. I know there's a fund called uh, Q2Q Capital, uh, which is run by uh, Mohammed uh, Yazelhark. He's uh, he's set up a fund here as well. Um, I don't know what um, what administrator he's using or how he got, went about setting it up, but um, but there are a couple of funds set up here, and um, I think now that we're all both set up here, I think it's um, it's easier for other players to come in if they want to. Yeah, definitely. I think there's obviously a clear first mover advantage, um, but obviously the first mover has to do all the really hard work as well. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So yes. That's great. Yes. And I think that, you know, I think once that path is now cleared and you've been able to kind of pave the way for that, I think we're bound to see many more funds popping up and interesting ventures coming, coming about in the UAE. If it's clear that, that that's an environment where innovation is really thought carefully about and fostered and it actually is inspired. So that's great. And I think as well, um, just thinking about how innovation is going over there, there definitely needs to be, I think, more in the way of awareness to let people know that this is the place to come for you know, blockchain and innovation, because there's obviously been a big push for Malta. Um, mm -hmm. There's also now talk about Estonia as well. Um, yes. and, and where do you think, compared to Estonia, compared to Malta, where do you think that the UAE, UAE is in that? And is there collaboration between um, Malta and Estonia, the so-called blockchain hubs, or, or, or is it a very different environment completely? 
So the ADGM has uh, come up with a framework and regulation around um, cryptocurrencies and ICOs in general. Um, uh, the thing is, the ADGM is an offshore uh, offshore jurisdiction regulator. So um, once we get um, once we get regulation from uh, ESCA, which is the onshore regulator, then that will mean that uh, the central bank is behind that, and also that the local banks would be behind that. So that it will be easier to service blockchain and cryptocurrency companies based here um i think i think uh, the framework is established so in in that regard we're um, we were on a par with uh, malta and estonia um so we have a clear strategy of how we want to approach regulation around crypto and uh, blockchain in general um and i think in the next three to six months uh, there's going to be a lot of activity um, and there's going to be a lot of uh, media coverage yeah, that sounds really interesting um, because, yeah, I think that Malta obviously was, you know, hailed as being the, you know, the blockchain hub, but it definitely looks as the, as a shift towards Estonia and a shift towards Dubai as well. So yeah, we'll see how that how that plays out. And just looking in the group chat here, there's a question that's came up, and um, Pre Mindra has asked. When can we expect the mass adoption of blockchain in the region? I think um, I think mass adoption, as as with the case globally, I think for mass adoption to happen, that doesn't just rely on regulation and um, the state of the economy here locally. I think that relies on the actual blockchain technology, and if it's actually become become uh, to a point where it's scalable. Um, and much easier to use as well, I think that's when you're going to see mass adoption. Regulation will help um, in some ways to get to get there, but ultimately, if, if the technology isn't scalable enough, if it isn't easy enough to use, then there's not going to be use by um, you know, smaller and medium-sized businesses. I mean, yes, the larger businesses and governments are looking at it, but to have mass adoption, you need you know, vendors and um, shops, uh, retail shops in the street, you know, you need, you need small businesses to actually adopt the technology and actually to, to be able to start being, you know, using cryptocurrencies in their everyday life. So I think, I think for mass adoption, I think we're looking at between five to 10 years. Um, mm. Obviously, it's, it's starting to, uh, to grow now, but I think we're still very much in the early stages here. And um, I think we need to be a bit more, uh, a bit more patient and a bit more realistic. I think if you need, if you need an, an analogy, then you think of it this way. I think we are at the point here where we were with the internet when you know we were connecting to the internet using dial-up modems. Um, mm. And you know, just think about how slow the internet was back then. So we're we're very much at that stage here nowadays. So I think um, I think another five to ten years would be uh, where you'd see really, really adoption globally for for cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology yes yeah definitely i think it will it will sure take time to make that a reality and i think i wonder whether we'll still see the likes of ethereum and dash and bitcoin uh in five to ten years time or if there'll be a new iteration of these cryptocurrencies and have there have there been any standout projects in terms of cryptocurrency that you've seen as being maybe the next step towards day-to-day -to -day cryptocurrency use? 
I think there's a lot of potentially uh, projects that can be can have that potential, but I think I think they're very much uh, as as the case with the technology. They're limited with with um, you know how how advanced the technology is, and at this stage, I don't think we're we're at the level yet where there will be a project that can actually overtake Bitcoin or Ethereum um, in the short term. Maybe in the next two to three years, there might be a project that can maybe start to start to uh, take away some of the dominance that Bitcoin has. But I think Bitcoin is going to be dominant for the next um, three to five years at the very least. Oh, really? Yeah, because because when speaking to people about Bitcoin in particular, with the slow transaction rate, if I remember correctly, it's like 14 transactions per second or something. Yeah. Um, you know, there are a couple of projects now that are boasting up to 65,000 transactions per second as well. So mm-hmm. I think that's the reason why we're seeing, um, well, there's talk about the, the, the fall of Bitcoin, the, the removal yeah. of Bitcoin from the ecosystem. But obviously the issue right now is that many of the coins that are popping up are being traded against Bitcoin. So Bitcoin does provide this gold standard for the ecosystem of cryptocurrency coins. But I think in terms of maybe day-to-day use, we may not see Bitcoin being used for, you know, buying consumable items, bread and, and, and milk, because of the transaction speed being so, so, so slow compared to other coins and cryptocurrencies. So... Yeah, I wonder what that looks like for for the industry, and I wonder if we'll see a project pop up like. That. I think I think also you shouldn't you shouldn't underestimate the um, the actual developers of Bitcoin because you know there's a lot of um, there's a lot of developers uh, that um, you know work on Bitcoin, and you, you can't also underestimate Lightning Network because mm. that's that has the potential of actually you know pushing Bitcoin to the next level, and and that's still very much a new um, a new aspect of Bitcoin. So um, so I think you know it's it's um, it's it's yet to be seen what's going to happen, but I don't think um, I don't think I see a, a more uh, stronger network, more widely used network than Bitcoin. Um, and I, I don't think that um, it's going to be easy to displace to displace Bitcoin as the um, as the benchmark of cryptocurrencies as well. Mm. Okay, yes, yeah, very interesting. And yeah, it's another question in in the in the group chat here um, is asking: Do you believe we can have smart contracts on Bitcoin? I'm not sure. Um, what do you think? About yeah, that? I mean there. There is a project called um, Rootstock uh, RSK protocol that's um, that's going to be developing, uh, being able to use uh, smart contracts on the Bitcoin network. So um, that's very much still in development phase, and um, that is something that we may, may well see in the short term as well. So there, there is um, there is that as well that's going to come up soon. Yeah, that could be very very interesting as well. Um, Absolutely. And yeah, I really think that it could be, as you said, five to 10 years before we really start seeing a widespread implementation for that. But I think as, w- as well, as I mentioned before, there is that essence of first mover advantage. And if somebody can figure out how to do it properly, there obviously mm-hmm. is a huge reward to be you know, gained as a result of that. And 
Yeah, I wanted to ask about some of your projects now because there's quite a lot of them on here that look very interesting. Um, could I pick out a couple of projects in particular and ask you about them? Is that okay? Sure, sure. Go ahead. So could you speak a little bit about what Convoy is with a K? Convoy Ventures is a um, tokenized fund for uh, that invests in um, esports and gaming startups. So it's very much like a VC fund that's investing in esports and uh, gaming uh, startups. Uh, doesn't necessarily have to be esports and gaming startups that utilize blockchain technologies such but the essence of it is investing in startups that are focused on um, esports and gaming because i don't know if you're aware but the esports uh, industry is uh, exploding at the moment there's a lot of interest in uh, esports uh, games uh, and esports competitions out there globally so uh, that's why they've decided to focus on that market hmm. that's really interesting that's really interesting and and also looking you're yeah, looking at um the esports and games and um, online media. Uh, I see you're also working on something called Fracture Labs, which also appears to be a computer games project. So Fracture Labs is uh, the company behind um, a new uh, still in development um, game that's actually built on blockchain. So it's a game that's actually, it's a blockchain uh, powered game. Uh, which is called Decimated. Um, you can look it up on decimated.net. So I'm advising the Fracture Labs, and they're uh, they're very much um, very much advanced with blockchain technology, and they're trying to um, trying to get a game uh, established uh, using blockchain. In that regard, wow, that's really exciting. That's really exciting indeed. And and so looking at clear technologies. With a Q, clear technologies. That's great. I love so that. clear, clear technologies, uh, clear protocol. They're they're developing a protocol that will, um, you know, give the online, uh, sorry, give the um, uh, gambling, uh, online uh, gaming uh, casinos and uh, gambling websites and etc. Um, the ability to you know, be able to verify that actually, like, for example, if it's card games, <clears throat> that the shuffling is actually very random and it's very fair to the actual uh, uh, people, the, cu the customers. So it's, it's a protocol that's designed to um, give transparency and um, peace of mind for uh, people who use, it, who use uh, online gambling uh, uh, websites uh, that you know everything is uh, everything is in good order and there's no you know collusion or there's no um, foul play there. Mm, wow, that's really interesting. Wow, that's really interesting indeed. And yeah, and now I'm looking on Super with a V, so S V P E R. What's Super? So Super is um, kind of a social interactions platform built on blockchain that they're trying to get people to uh, get into uh, social uh, relationships, but um, avoiding, you know, avoiding it all being purely online and, and, and encouraging people to, you know, go out there and, and meet other people, other people live instead of, um, instead of online. So the basic idea of it is, um, is that instead of, you know, um, the matching system that you find in a lot of these um, 
social platforms is um, actually post a live video of yourself and that's authenticated and verified um, on blockchain that is actually you and it's actually genuine um, and mm. you po- you're posting it on the platform and then somebody on the other side watching that video and um, then posting a video back in return um, and then if you match that way then you can sort of uh, go ahead and meet up uh, in real life and um, so that's the kind of basis around it and and the team behind it they've actually they've actually been in the social um, social relationships uh, platforms for many years and they they see the problems and the issues that come up with that so they've they've found out that actually using blockchain can be very beneficial and solves a lot of problems wow that's really really exciting that's quite interesting indeed yeah wow and I just, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty stunned by the sheer diversity of projects that you're working on. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really, really well, diverse you know, bunch. Yeah. You, you need to diversify as an investor, you know. So that's something I learned from the traditional investment space. So I've, I try to apply that here in, the, uh, in crypto assets uh, as well as a new asset class. So, um, so you know, the more, um, the more exposure you have to different areas, the uh, you know the 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 less the less overall risk you're exposed to. So, um, so it's a good way of um, spreading out your risk. It's true. And speaking of spreading out, it appears that you are quite global with your investments. Uh, looking at the Atlid project here, that appears to be over in Florida, the US. What's that in particular? What's that? So the Atlid project. Um, the founder of Atlid project is actually has a business um, as a tequila tequila. Um, company uh, tequila selling business and she's seen the problems that um come about with id verification etc and um you know fraudulent use of um ids or like uh, fake ids being used so um, she's yeah. trying to get uh, to use blockchain to actually make it so that you know your id is verified and um and you know it's very much a cash-based um business as well so she's trying to get it away from cash-based um payments into uh crypto payments but um she's actually also um she's actually also pivoted at the moment to um to being a uh, security uh, security token uh, issuance platform as well so that's um what? So, that's, so that's something that she's working on as well how does that work how do you pivot from selling tequila to, to selling to selling uh to doing an STM and becoming a securities wow well how, i mean because originally you know at the time she was doing the ICO for, um, for Aklid, then, mm. you know, it was at the time where the market was really bottoming down. Yeah, bad so, market. So, you know, she, she, she quickly spotted that, you know, ICOs were, were no longer um, going to be very much in demand. So she then mm. she was looking at actually doing an STO instead of an ICO. And then she actually saw the opportunity that, you know, actually this STO space is going to be is going to be big in the future and it's only only just starting so she she thought that um you know and she had a lot of contacts who were involved with um digital securities anyways and you know issuing of traditional securities so um so she she thought she would you know she she'd actually look into um a security token issuance platform as well and use that to um to raise capital for her own project and then for other projects as well well, wow, that's really, really interesting. And I, I really want to ask you about STOs and ICOs, but I want to just finish, I want to just carry on yes. with a bit more about your projects that you're working on. Um, I want to ask you now about Imagize. 
Imagize, um, the original idea is, um, it's basically tries to solve the problems with, um, with uh, buying clothes, clothes and footwear online, whereby, you know, you, you, you know your size roughly, etc. but every different, um, every different supplier has a different way of um, measurements and sizes, etc. So they're trying to use, um, they're trying to get customers to go into um, these uh, centers that they're going to create, whereby it actually scans your, um, for example, scans your feet and tries to get a perfect fit to, um, to your feet uh, so that you can get the best fitting shoes. Um, and mm. then you just have to do it once, basically, and then try to get all the vendors to actually you know, get, um, get uh, subscribed to the system so that you know, globally, when you order online, then you know that the size that you order based on this system is going to fit you like 99% um, accurately fit you. So you don't have the issues of returned items, etc. And they'll, they'll start that off initially with footwear and then they'll expand it into clothing as well. So that's the idea of that project. That's a very lofty, yeah, very, very lofty. Very ambition. ambitious. Yes, absolutely. Wow. Okay. And can I ask you about Crowdforce? <laughs> Crowdforce is a, is a project uh, based out of uh, Abuja in Nigeria. Um, and their, their main aim is to try and get mass adoption of uh, using uh, cryptocurrencies in Africa. Because as you know, it's very, very micro-based, um, cash-based um, economy. Uh, economy. So they're trying to, uh, so they're trying to utilize cryptocurrencies to get um, the general population in Africa to use um, cryptocurrencies. So it's um, it's one that um, I wasn't looking at the actual um, economic uh, outcomes or the economic uh, returns from. It's actually one that I was looking at in terms of mass adoption in Africa and um, the ecosystem for crypt cryptocurrencies in general. Well, yeah, because I think in terms of countries that would benefit from blockchain technologies, um, Africa is one of the countries that really would benefit from that, for getting Absolutely. people um, online and getting them you know, with bank accounts. Because yeah, the there's a lot of un unbanked there. people. Yeah, there's a lot of un unbanked people in Africa as well. So that would, that would definitely... Um, enhance their uh, enhance their payment uh, experience as well super super interesting and yeah because on your profile here on linkedin it's kind of funny because you haven't given a full readout description for each thing you're working for each project you're actually working on so yeah. it kind of forces me to ask you about each project uh, absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. yeah i mean i can i can talk about all these projects all day so um <laughs> so, yeah. I'm sure you could. Um, okay, last one, last one. I want to ask about Estinta. Um, what is Coinect.io? So Coinect is um, is a platform that's going to utilize blockchain. That they're trying to get. Um, they're trying to get. Uh, you know, if you have different uh, jobs, like you want to, for example. Um, get some lessons into learning a new language, for example. They're trying to get people that otherwise, you know, that can teach languages, for example, that don't have a structured um, platform and structured way of actually going about and finding students. They're trying to connect, um, to connect the two together. And um, it would be in, in, in different, different areas as well. So it's not just focused on um, 
teaching its languages, it's, uh, you know, maybe like coaching uh, sport or something, or um, it's a very, very diversified, very wide approach. Um, but they're just trying to connect, uh, trying, trying to connect different, um, uh, you know, vendors and businesses to, to customers um, and cutting out the middleman in the process, make it a more efficient system as well. I think I got that Coinect is a platform which connects um, educational providers with students. Yes, and that's cuts one middle, aspect. Middleman. Yes, yes, and maybe like coaches as well, coaching uh, you know, coaching maybe uh, different uh, forms of music or art or uh, sports, uh, etc. So uh, along mm. those lines. So it essentially connects buyers and sellers. Um, in yeah. the education space without yes. middlemen. Yes. Is yes. it pure education or, or, or? It's not just purely education. It can be, um, can be other, other aspects as well. Mm. So a, it's essentially a diverse platform that can connect buyers and sellers. That's quite interesting. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So just switching gear again then, um, let's talk a little bit about ICOs and STOs. Um, there's a lot of talk recently about this. And of course, with you being at the cutting edge and being exposed to lots of information, I think you'd be a great person to ask about ICOs and STOs. Um, so would you like to give a, you know, a brief background on you know, the, the story of ICOs and what happened and why we ended up going towards using STOs instead? So ICOs, very much was a phenomena that disrupted uh, the traditional crowdfunding um, mechanism. Um, so basically, it was a way whereby startups could raise funds and then become liquid to investors in the shortest uh, space of time possible um, and without having going through all the regulatory hoops. But then the problem with ICOs was because it was very much an un unregulated instrument, um, it was abused by both uh, investors and founders of, uh, of all these projects that were raising funds. So you had founders that were getting their hands on a lot of money in a short space of time and then, you know, getting, um, getting greedy and actually not actually delivering on their promises. And then you had investors who were like, oh, this is the easiest way to make, um, to make money fast. So they were just jumping into these projects without doing their due diligence and homework. And then ended up, um, you know, losing a lot of money. The market um, started uh, taking a turn for the worst. So it was, um, it was a great uh, crowdfunding uh, disruptor. Um, but ultimately, because it was used in the wrong way and it was used in different ways, that's why it started to decline as well, um, especially with the market decline. So now SDOs came about um, in a way such that you know, founders of projects would be more accountable for their investors. And also, you know, they would have to give up um, equity or have to back their tokens with a real asset instead of, um, instead of, you know, a token that was issued that was just based on promises and um, a future use case for the tokens. So now it's very much, um, and STOs are very much uh, based on um, existing securities regulations. Um, so that's, that's why STOs came about, and that's why they started becoming more popular. And that's what people argue that, you know, sophisticated investors and institutions would, um, would arguably start investing in these, um, 
on these projects and using the and projects and founders would use this um, this way of raising capital. Um, but the problem with SDOs is that uh, you do need uh, a certain amount of capital before you actually do an STO. Mm-hmm. So you still need to do a you still need to do a seed round and actually give up some equity before you can actually look into doing an STO. Um, so that's that's roughly what those those two uh, crowdfunding mechanisms are. Yes, yeah, because I actually remember, I think it must have been about, yeah, it must have been 2018, early 2018, and I, I would go to, you know, meetup events, which would talk about ICOs, and we'd discuss a project, and discuss the team, and figure out whether or not to invest in a project, and there always was a kind of a level, a layer of background anxiety, knowing that, well, we could, you know, all put money into this project, but we're getting tokens out, but then there's a 24-month waiting time before we know if they actually have built the project or if they actually have gone and bought Lamborghinis. So yes. there always was that uh, level of uncertainty with ICOs, despite them being really exciting. And, of course, there were some good outcomes for ICOs and some good yes. projects that came out the other end of it. But yes. you know, there also were many, many, many failures and many, many scams. Yes. Um, so. You know, I definitely appreciate why the movement towards STOs has been such uh, you know, a relief for investors mm-hmm. and also I think a step change for the way we invest in decentralized projects. And yeah, obviously I think as well, because of that, that barrier to entry being the raising of capital and dilution of equity um, in the get-go, I think that almost provides a kind of litmus test for whether the project actually is good or not. Yes. Um, and I think that, 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 that hurdle to overcome, I think, really would separate the wheat from the chaff in terms of projects that are going to be, be building the next era of our, our society and our, our economy. Um, yes. Have you seen any particularly interesting STO projects um, in the UAE or, or globally in the past six months or, or past year? I think in the UAE, the most popular asset class to invest in in the UAE is uh, real estate. So I think there are several um, several projects aimed at um, uh, UAE real estate um, as an as an asset that backs uh, tokens. Um, obviously, they're not uh, they're not established in the UAE as a crowdfunding um, entity. Because the the regulation is still not there, so um, but it's it's um, it started by uh, founders or people that are based in the UAE or from the GCC region. So I think that's a popular um, uh, asset backed token STO project that um, that's coming out here. Um, globally, there's um, there's uh, there's several uh, projects that um, that are looking really really uh, interesting and um, I believe have uh, have good potential. Um, I, th- I think one of them that I've uh, I've invested in very early is um, and is doing really well at the moment is um, Securitize.io, which is a security token issuance platform. Um, they've they've recently done a successful Series A raise, and um, they're definitely getting a lot of business at the moment, and they're uh, they're expanding uh, exponentially right now. Um, so that's that's a good example of uh, of a project that I think is is doing really well. Um, there's many other projects out there. Um, 
but uh, I haven't been involved in any of them, um, so I can't I can't make a judgment on those. But it's definitely a very exciting space, and I think the next in the next year to two years, you you should see a lot of a um, lot of security tokens and a lot of asset backed tokens out there, um, uh, along with all the benefits that um, a security token uh, comes with. Yeah, sure, that's really interesting. Um, and I think yeah, we're coming up towards an hour now, so. I think it'd be good to yeah, have some final remarks and, and think about take-home messages from this conversation. And if you, know, you were to leave some really key insight for listeners about the future of blockchain in UAE, what would you say um, you know, as, as, as real you know, key pieces of in, insight, take-home messages um, for this movement? What do you think? I think the key takeaway is uh, to watch out for the next three to six months um, of developments here in the UAE, especially with regards to regulation. Uh, I don't think I mentioned before, but um, there is a a pilot cryptocurrency project between the UAE Central Bank and the Saudi Arabian uh, Central Bank, where they're going to be testing out a cryptocurrency uh, payment system within the central banks. So that's something that's... um, that means that you know both uh, central banks in the region and local banks in the region and businesses and the government here in the UAE are going to be um, looking to embrace uh, blockchain technology and cryptocurrency payments and cryptocurrencies in general. So I think that's the most important aspect that's going to be coming out of the UAE in the the next three to six months um and you know I'll be very much focused on the the projects that I mentioned that are based here in the UAE. And I will try to do my utmost to raise awareness of uh, blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies here and, you know, try to uh, support um, all the businesses here, whether they're startups or whether they're um, existing businesses that are traditional businesses that are looking into blockchain technology as well. Um, And I'm very much excited about um, how they the UAE board. That's great. And I think... Yeah, I think it's a really exciting time for you know that part of the world. So you mentioned that in the next three to six months, we're looking forward to some more clearer legal framework set for the use of cryptocurrencies and blockchain in the UAE. And there's going to be a test pilot project which will be using cryptocurrencies with banks. And you're looking forward to supporting some key projects that will come up in the region and you're looking to be raising awareness of of cryptocurrency and blockchain for that for that part of the, of the world over the next months and and coming years. So I think that should be a good place to end the podcast um, to end the episode. Thank you so much for your time. It's been a super interesting episode. Um, I've learned a lot from this and a lot about the UAE. Um, looking forward to staying abreast of your journey and staying in touch. And I think, yeah, it'd be good to maybe reach out again, talk again in 18, 24 months' time to see where things are for yourself and for the UAE uh, in the blockchain space. What do you think? Absolutely, yeah. It's been a pleasure being on the podcast with you today. And um, I'm, I'm glad to have shared my knowledge and experiences here and um, to share my plans for the future as well. And, yeah, it would be good to, um, to catch up again uh, in the, the medium to long term with, the, with how things have developed here after this conversation. Amazing. Thank you, Said. Have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Bye.